Hello, all, and welcome into a three and out extra here on the three and out podcast YouTube channel. I'm your host, Ben Pope, and here alongside me is the beautiful Mike Cicchetti, as always. And as you can see, we're doing a three and out extra, as we're calling it, a extra piece uh, not included in the normal episode. And what we're doing here is pretty much just an addendum to our usual uh, podcast episode for the week. But uh, we have an interesting topic here for you guys today. Uh, so make sure to like and subscribe down below. Make sure you're checking out all our socials as well at 3 and Out Pod. So, Mike, we're, we have an interesting topic since we are heading into the beginning of week one here coming up with Rams and Bills here upcoming on Thursday. We're going to be talking about each of the divisions and some of our uh, favorite breakout picks in each division. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to be handling the offensive side of the ball. Well, you've got the defensive side of things. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good. I made this list thinking of all these players. Some were easy. Some guys really stuck out in my mind like this is the breakout player of the division. And some were tough. I had names for two, even three teams, and some even guys on the same teams uh, deciding between which one I want to really uh, give the emphasis on. Yeah, and we didn't have any particular criteria except excluding rookie uh, candidates there, so it's all second year onward. It uh, can even be uh, older players in there, but uh, we're mm-hmm. mostly going to be dealing with uh, younger players that we think can kind of break out given their opportunity uh, upcoming this year. So, Mike, we're going to start it off in the East and the AFC. So, the AFC East, who is your breakout player? A few good options, right? But my breakout player is just standing out. He's going to have a phenomenal season. Christian Barmore of the New England Patriots defensive tackle. He played 55% of the defensive snaps behind Devon Godshaw, who plays uh, defensive tackle alongside. Devon Godshaw had 59% of defensive snaps uh, played last season. I think that number is going to increase significantly. Matt Judon, just to give a little reference point, played 81% of defensive snaps being kind of uh, the standout in the Patriots defense alongside J.C. Jackson. I think Christian Barmore in his sophomore campaign will really, you know, push himself into that contention to be one of the top players in the Patriots defense and really uh, make a name for himself when it comes to top 10, possibly defensive tackles around the league. I like that a lot. And you mentioned JC Jackson. He's obviously moved on to the LA Chargers. So there's going to be more pressure on that D line to really succeed. And with Judon kind of reaching his peak last season, I think Barmore's a a great candidate to kind of break out in a way on that Patriots D line. We'll kind of go on the offensive side of the ball here, staying in the AFC East. And I've got Elijah Moore from the New York Jets. He's one of my uh, favorite second year players, uh, especially in the wide receivers room. He is a phenomenal talent. We saw how explosive he could be. He had a really big stretch week seven to week 13, where he was nearly catching a touchdown every week. And his quarterback situation was not even with Zach Wilson. He was fluctuating between, uh, Joe Flacco and Mike White, and then he got a little bit of a sprinkle with Zach Wilson, and he suffered an injury in Week 13 that he actually wasn't able to come back the rest of the season. But he was performing at a really uh, high efficiency rate with the number of targets that he was going to get. And he's actually coming into this season technically as the wide receiver one for the New York Jets. And it was Zach Wilson's dealing with an injury that uh, he's looking to come back between Week Two, Week Three. Hopefully, uh, he has actually hasn't been ruled out for week one, but it's likely going to be Joe Flacco. But 
just with the success that he's seen, not only with Flacco, but with backup quarterbacks in general, I'm not really concerned about the quarterback situation with Elijah Moore. I think it's basically just the talent that I'm believing in. Even though they did add Garrett Wilson in the draft, a first-round wide receiver, he's a great talent. I don't think Garrett Wilson is going to be too much of a big factor into Elijah Moore's play this season, at least. I think Moore's got a great opportunity to really break out in his sophomore year and has a really good chance to improve on his freshman year numbers, which is only 538 receiving yards, which I definitely think can go up into that maybe 800 uh, or more. For sure. And especially with receivers, consistency is key. So you get Zach Wilson healthy for a full season or most of the full season, right? Could miss uh, one, two, however many handful of games at the beginning of the year. Uh, having Zach Wilson healthy for the year with Elijah Moore will really uh, catapult him in being that, you know, wide receiver one in the Jets offense. 100% and building that rapport with his QB one is going to be really important. Like I mentioned, he hasn't been able to play much with Zach Wilson yet. So that'll be yeah. an important thing to kind of look out for. Who you got in the uh, AFC North? So we can move on there. And I've got another receiver here in the sophomore class. You love him. I love him. Rashad Bateman for the Baltimore Ravens. Yep. He is coming into this year pretty much getting the keys to the castle here from John Harbaugh and the rest of the crew. They traded Marquise Hollywood Brown to the Cardinals on draft day. So you thought that they might have an opportunity to draft one of those day one receivers. They passed on that. They went with uh, safety Kyle Hamilton instead. So it is Rashad Bateman pretty much as the number one receiver. He will probably be the number one, number two target by Mark Andrews. But mm -hmm. with a team that has doubts in the running back room, once again, like they did last year, J.K. Dobbins is unlikely uh, or is uh, unwavering on whether he's going to be playing in week one or not. They just added Kenyon Drake to the running back room. He has to learn the playbook a little bit. Uh, Gus Edwards is likely going to be starting the year on the pop. It seems very similar to the way that the running back core went with last season, which was just a bit of uncertainty. And the receiving core got a massive bump because of that. We saw how uh, proficient Mark Andrews was at the end of the last season. But uh, I think that'll benefit Rashad Bateman as well. He had a really good end to this season. He was getting six or more targets and a decent amount of the last uh, five, six games that the Ravens did play with. But it was mostly with backup. So he really hasn't been able to get a really good shot with Lamar Jackson yet. But I have a lot of confidence in Bateman as a talent in general. And I think at serving as number two for Lamar, I think he's honestly going to have a really good season. Yeah, that's that's a good pick. And I've been loving Rashad uh, since before. He got drafted. My pick, um, I kind of have a little duo here, uh, both with the same team, the Cleveland Browns. I have Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa and Greg Newsom. Cleveland Browns, they had a top five defense last year, and you get Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. He fell in the draft, was arguably the uh, number one or two ranked linebacker last year. Fell in the second round, uh, and I was saying that's their only need on the defense is a linebacker. They picked him up. Greg Newsom, they took in the first round. And I I chose Greg Newsom also because I wanted to put an emphasis on the Cleveland Browns secondary. You have Greg Newsom. You have, you know, Denzel Ward, what you have in him as a CB1. You have um, Greedy Williams as well, cornerback room. And then when you get to the safeties, you have Grant Delpit and John Johnson. The Cleveland Browns, in my opinion, have one of the best, if not the best, 
young secondary in the league and them being top five last year, you get all these guys another year and you know what you have in miles Garrett up front. I think they could just be right around the same, uh, if even better in the top five of defenses. How much of an improvement do you think that the Browns will be able to make despite the kind of absence of Deshaun Watson? It will be tough for them to really stay competitive without uh, Watson in the fold, but how big do you think the defensive improvements from guys like JOK uh, and Greg Newsom can really help them out? I think it will be tough, but I think the defense will hold their own when making our record predictions. I had to keep in mind how strong because I think the Cleveland Browns defense is very strong uh, despite them losing um, their uh, defensive tackle. You know, so the defensive tackles are lacking this season. I just think the rest of the guys can make up for it. Big, the big issues are on the offensive side with basically Amari Cooper being your only, you know, top receiving weapon and uh, Jacoby Brissett serviceable, but not ideal. I think the defensive uh, side of the ball will be able to hold their own. So I'm not really worried about them when it comes to, um, you know, wavering, if you will. Yeah, for sure. Just trying to stay competitive in a division with some top heavy teams there with Baltimore and with Cincinnati. We can move on now to the AFC South where uh, there were a lot of actual choices. I thought um, yep. on, on the offensive side, what did you find for the defensive side of things. So for the defensive side of things, my pick was um, Jonathan Grenard from the Houston Texans defensive end. He was a third round pick in 2020. And I think he's quietly become a a staple on that defense. Um, The Houston Texans, we know, don't have a strong team. They're very young. I like uh, the defense. They drafted Christian Harris in the middle rounds. Uh, linebacker out of Alabama, Derek Stingley, right? It uh, with the third overall pick. Very young defense, but I think uh, Jonathan Grenard is going to be the standout uh, starting this year. It was starting last year, but I think this year he's really going to turn it around and really make a name for himself. Um, when it comes to that, I don't expect him to be much of a strong unit, but I think he will be the name uh, when it comes to like a veteran presence, if you will, because it's his what, third year uh, being in the league. Yeah, and with a long, young unit, like you mentioned, that would actually be pretty beneficial for a third-year player right. like that to kind of take a more important role, um, especially with a team that led off by Davis Mills. They've got Lovey Smith. I'd love to make uh, yep. jokes about Lovey, but um, it is a young team, so having a player like that step up is pretty big. Mm-hmm. Um I have your boy here. Uh, I know Mike will be excited for this one. Travis Etienne is my breakout pick in the AFC South. Uh, I was going back and forth a little bit on whether I really wanted to classify Etienne as a breakout pick just because he has yet to play in the NFL. But given that he is technically a second-year player, I was going to give myself this opportunity here. Even though James Robinson is looking more and more likely to be uh, available during week one, I really don't see how – impactful uh, people think that he really will be. I think Etienne, even though he might not be the quote-unquote first and second down back, I think he's going to get a lot of the most important touches in the Jacksonville offense, working alongside his former Clemson quarterback in Trevor Lawrence. I think Etienne is very explosive. He's a great pass-catching back. 
I think he's going to get a lot of opportunities, not only on third down passing opportunities, but on the goal line as well. I think that um, James Robinson, being the undrafted player that he is, he has no connections truly to Doug Peterson. So I think he'll want to start the more hot hand, quote unquote. And I think ETN has a really good shot of taking over this job completely. And just with the rapport that he's built up with Lawrence, I think he has honestly a really good shot of uh, being a, a consistent target. And also, I don't know if this is a hot take, Mike, but I think there's honestly a really good chance that behind Christian Kirk, ETN leads the Jags. Jag, ETN leads the Jags in targets. I wouldn't be shocked by that. I was really, really a big fan of them drafting uh, Travis ETN in the first round after getting uh, Trevor Lawrence in 2021. A lot of people calling it a reach because uh, they picked him up in the back half of the first round. I liked it because you give uh, Trevor Lawrence, a guy with such high expectations, um, his security blanket in in college. They have two, three years of chemistry, and now they're in the league together on the same team. Um, there isn't really much of a, um, you know, trading LaVisca Chenault. There isn't much of there's a stand receiver besides Simon Christian Kirk, who Trevor Lawrence seems to like in camp. But I do think that uh, Travis Etienne will get a lot of a lot a lot of passing opportunities in this offense. Yeah, and just with question marks around Marvin Jones, like he was not good at all last year. And even though I do like the promise of Zay Jones, who's coming over from the Vegas Raiders, a lot of his targets and his A dot was surprisingly high. Uh, a lot of his targets were deep downfield from Derek Carr, and he wasn't really a top receiver on that Vegas team. It was probably the number four option on that team, even behind Brian Edwards uh, yep. in the chat there. Um, but, yeah, I think ETN has a really solid chance of being a great target here for Trevor Lawrence. Going along with great targets for young quarterbacks, I'll move on to the AFC West. And another guy, Mike and I both like, uh, Josh Palmer. Uh, for the Los Angeles Chargers. This is a guy that uh, I'm really high on this past year. He was one of the few people I like to write down names at the end of the year to remind myself of for fantasy football. And surprisingly, Josh Palmer was one of those people. I thought that if Mike Williams left in free agency, Josh Palmer would be skyrocketing up draft boards. And even in real life fantasy, excuse me, in real life football, um, even with Mike Williams back, he is very, very much a clear cut. The wide receiver three on a pass-heavy offense here in Los Angeles. Josh Palmer was building up a lot of rapport last season with Justin Herbert towards the end of the year. And with my concerns about Keenan Allen and just his efficiency numbers dropping over the previous few years, if Mike Williams and Josh Palmer are both taking that step forward uh, to kind of usurp some of the work that uh, Allen might give up, I think Palmer has a really good opportunity to get north of 100 targets, be a really efficient player on this offense, and yeah, I think I I just like the player a lot. I think that he provides a different style uh, than what Mike Williams and Keenan Allen provide in the offense. And I don't know. I think he'll still be quite valuable, even though he is the quote-unquote number three target for Justin Herbert. Yeah, agreed. For my uh, AFC West breakout player on the defensive side of the ball, I love this kid, Nick Bolton, linebacker for the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, you know, kind of a, not really a new look Chiefs team, but a lot of people are talking about the Chiefs offense without Tyreek Hill, how that's going to look. I think it'll be fine at the end of the day. But the defense is uh, the biggest thing, in my opinion, being a 
big defensive guy. The Chiefs have a really good defense. They've made a lot of different uh, improvements, especially this offseason. Having Willie Gay and Nick Bolton on the linebacker core, you know we have in Chris Jones, and then also taking George Karloftis and Trent McDuffie uh, in the draft. Uh, just a little thing I want to know, right? Uh, his rookie season, uh, Chiefs at Titans. The Titans destroyed them, 27-3. to But here's one thing I want to point out. Derrick Henry, right? Had 86 yard, 86 rushing yards on 29 carries. Nick Bolton, if you watch the highlights of the game, was huge on the defensive side. Always right to the ball on Derrick Henry, taking him down. 86 yards would be a solid game uh, for most uh, running backs. That's a that's a pretty down game for Derrick Henry. And Nick Bolton was on it when it comes to the rushing game. He's good in coverage, and for him being, uh, in my opinion. A borderline top ten linebacker, this in his rookie year, I think that just goes to show what the Chiefs have in him, a uh, second year linebacker. Yeah, and I know with just talking about the Chiefs, not only in our predictions but just on the side as well. I know that uh, the reason that you're not following the Chiefs too too much in regards to their rankings and everything, you really believe in their defense, and I think it is because of, or I know it's because of. Uh, all these young players that they've been able to add over the previous two, three years in the draft. Yeah, and they haven't really... I know the Tyron Matthew loss will be big, but they picked up Justin Reed from Houston, which I don't think he is... Justin Reed isn't a scrub. So, uh, I mean, I think they're going to be fine defensively. You did lose Tyron Matthew, but you gained Trent McDuffie, you gained George Karloftis, you gained Justin Reed. I think there are more uh, more that they gained than they lost this offseason especially defensively for sure before we transition into the nfc side of things just a quick another quick reminder make sure to like and subscribe down below this mm-hmm. our first kind of spurt using the youtube channel here we really appreciate any support that we can get on there plus you can check out our link tree to get uh the rest of our social medias uh twitter facebook instagram all three and out pod one uh, if you're looking them up on any of Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. So check them out if you can. We can motor on to the NFC least. Um, if we can find some uh, breakout stars over there. Mike, uh, what are you thinking here in the NFC East? A lot of my guys have been uh, second years and following the trend. Not really a breakout, but um, Micah Parsons. What he did in his rookie year, I think, I don't think he's going to break out per se. I just think he's going to elevate his game to that next level. I think he's going to be in defensive player of the year uh, talks and even was this year. So for him to be that in his rookie year, he'll get more opportunity with the loss of Randy Gregory, which was big in Dallas. Micah Parsons' name is just going to be, you know, he's going to be the the guy on that defense. Um, Yeah, he's going to, I don't know, he, he's a stud. He's gonna be he's gonna be special for years to come. I'm very glad that you did that because I have two players here um, that I'm kind of doing the same thing. Where like they're already very good players, but I think they can elevate to superstardom. So mm-hmm. I'm very glad that you did that. First of all, um, but I'm gonna go to my NFC guy, NFC East guy here. Um, my third second year wideout. I just man, the 2021 wideouts they're phenomenal here. I have Kadarius Tony from the Giants. Mm-hmm. Um, I think KT has a real good opportunity 
of just claiming the wide receiver one role here in New York. Anything I've heard out of Kenny Galladay this camp is that he looks stale. He looks bad. He's not moving very much. He still has no chemistry with Daniel Jones. That's not good. Um, KT has missed pretty much all of camp. He's been recovering from uh, his leg injury that he suffered last year um, or re-aggravated here. But he is looking likely to start playing uh, for week one. It's in a room where Sterling Shepard is still trying to recover. You've got Saquon Barkley, which is still great on the run game here. But there's no one that's really standing out in the receiver room. So I think even with like a Kadarius Tony, that's like 90%. I think that's way better than any anything else that the Giants are throwing out at the receiver position. So I have a lot of optimism that KT is able to uh, kind of improve on his numbers last year. He had two phenomenal games. I'm going to specifically highlight the one against the Cowboys with Mike Glennon, where it was like 12 for 147 and a touchdown. It was phenomenal. He was doing that with Mike Glennon. So imagine what, what he can do with a guy that can actually throw a deep ball in Daniel Jones. So I think KT is a real good opportunity if he's able to stay healthy. Um, moving on to the NFC North, I have a guy uh, defensively here who, again, kind of uh, broke out last season, but I just think he will get a lot more opportunities this year in Rashawn Gary the Packers linebacker. I was huge on Rashawn Gary. He was drafted in 2019 and he didn't really, he didn't really do much of anything until last season. And he was, he proved to be huge for them. Uh, losing Darius Smith. I mean, he was basically gone for all of last year, which led to the emergence of Rashawn Gary, Devondre Campbell getting older in that linebacker core. Rashawn Gary uh, contract year next season after they picked up his fifth-year option. I think that Rashawn Gary keeping him around would be will be huge for the Green Bay Packers. Strong defense, and he is – Rashawn Gary is the guy on that front seven for the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, and he is arguably leading the best defense in the NFL. That's kind of my thoughts on it, Mike. What do you think? I mean, yeah, there are a lot of – a lot of top defenses this year, especially with some of the uh, movement with some star players, but the Packers overall are definitely, uh, definitely one of the top, top defenses in the league. I can transition to my guy here. Um, I think he was honestly one of the most underrated, like superstar running backs last year. Not many people talk about him. DeAndre Swift is like one of my favorite players in the NFL. Um, I don't want to go too bold here, but I honestly think he might be, might be close to like a top five talent at the position, if not already in that. Um, He is a player that I am super high on this upcoming year. I just finished over 1,100 rushing yards this past year and was great in the receiving game as well. Jared Goff loved to target uh, D Swift and Javante Williams in the past game. But yeah, just the running backs coordinator here for Detroit is talking about potentially DeAndre being able to do an 1,000, 1,000 season, um, which I don't even think is, like, out of the question, uh, especially with Jamison Williams being out for half the season. Like, they've got Amon Ra, they've got TJ Hawkinson, who's still recovering from injury uh, this previous year. And then that's kind of it. Like, you've got DJ Chark and, like, a couple other options, but it's nothing that really is going to take any targets away from Swift. He is an efficient running back. He had his lowest uh, yards per carry this previous season than he's ever had at the collegiate level. 
and during his rookie season as well. I think that number is going to rise. I think he's going to be able to have an efficient season just running the ball and receiving as well. So I'm not saying he's going a thousand for a thousand, but I honestly think he's going to have one of the better running back years uh, in 2022. You want to take the NFC South? You're for sure. So, um, this is another guy that probably not viewing as a breakout, but it makes me feel a lot better. Um, I have Kyle Pitts. I think Kyle Pitts is going to be the best tight end in football this year. I don't think that's a hot take to say. Uh, you might yeah. question, oh, he has Marcus Mariota. Um, do you know that Marcus Mariota made Delaney Walker like in a close to a thousand yard receiver multiple times in the beginning years of uh, being in Tennessee? He's got Arthur Smith, who knows how to run an offense. Understandably, he didn't have very many weapons to give Matt Ryan last year, but Mario Oda can throw a deep ball. Pitts is a phenomenal talent. He he's the only tight end since like I want to say it was. Um, oh my goodness. It was for the Bears in like the 1960s. It was Mike Ditka, the first tight end to put up a thousand yard season. This is Mike Ditka in like 1968. That is unbelievable. And he did it with like no offense around him. He had Matt Ryan, but like that was it. Um, he had no O line. And I think he's just going to get better this year. Like I have questions of like if Bateman eats into Mark Andrews' is, uh, like, target share. I don't know if Kelsey is going to be, like, phenomenal this year without Tyree Kill to, like, take away double teams from him. I think Pitts, honestly, has a great opportunity to be the best tight end in the league. I think he can improve on his previous season just because he's looked great in training camp thus far. I think him and Mariota actually have some decent chemistry. And they do have, like, at least a running game to back it up. It's not just Cordero Patterson anymore. I think Damian Williams is an okay enough option along with Tyler Algier who will likely get more work in the run game as the year goes on. That'll just balance it out with that offense to give Pitts, um, I guess, a safer floor to work with. Um, that it's not just him in the offense. And I don't, I don't know. I think I think he's got a really good chance of just being amazing this year. It's buying into the talent and buying into just the sheer opportunity that he's going to have as well. Um, and he, he also had like one or two touchdowns last year. That's not going to happen this year. I can tell you that right now. Yeah, I'm expecting a huge year from Kyle Pitts too. I mean, his only he he will be the um, top receiver. You know, the number one guy in that lacking Atlanta offense. But um, defensively, I am going uh, Panthers cornerback J.C. Horn. Um, J.C. Horn looked amazing. In the three games that he played, then went down with an injury, unfortunately. Uh, this year, he has looked insane in this whole offseason. He's, you know, no signs of uh, being injured for, what, 14 games last year. He was picked before Pat Sertan, uh the second. And I think this year, he's going to show people out. Uh, you know, he's going to show people that he can play to that level of Pat Sertan. Because Pat Sertan was a, had a huge year. Uh, for the Broncos as a rookie and just going to continue on that. Uh, but J.C. Horn with the Carolina Panthers being a top 10 defense last year, I think he is uh, going to come back. He is probably their cornerback one um, or two with Dante Jackson. But either way, a uh, strong cornerback unit. And uh, J.C. Horn is just going to help their case on, you know, being that 
uh, top 10 defensive unit once again. Yeah. He's got good support as well with Jeremy Chin at safety. Yep. He's got Gross Matos at the end. They've got some really explosive pieces on the, on the other side as well. So mm-hmm. just really, really interesting to see what this Carolina team lands, especially if J.C. Horn is able to kind of break out like you mentioned there, Mike. Right. We're going into our last division here, the NFC West. Who have you got, Mike? All righty. Last division, the NFC West. My uh, defensive breakout player is Cardinals linebacker Zayvon Collins going into his second year alongside Isaiah Simmons, who was uh, the breakout player for them last season. Um, the Cardinals just showed that they want to uh, go for the youth movement in releasing Jordan Hicks and Devon Kennard. Uh, in their linebacker room and going with younger as in Isaiah Simmons and uh, Zayvon Collins. Zayvon Collins, his defensive uh, snap percentage is going to increase significantly with the releases of those guys. We can go with the final breakout player here, my NFC West guy, Ayukin. I got Brandon Ayuk from the San Francisco 49ers kind of was in the doghouse at the beginning of the year with Kyle Shanahan after a lot of people expected him to kind of take that breakout year. It ended up being Debo Samuels to take, but mm-hmm. Brandon Ayuk did not have a year to slouch out either. Uh, he started off pretty rough in his first five games, but 11 out of his last 14 games, including the playoffs, he had six or more targets, which is something that kind of went under the radar, especially with George Kittle uh, missing a bit of time in there as well. They now have Trey Lance as their quarterback. So the offense is going to be a little bit more volatile, but also a little bit more explosive with the ability that Lance does have to throw the ball deep downfield. And Ayuk has been kind of the standout in preseason thus far. It seems like Lance has really taken a liking to Ayuk, and I think their play style matches a lot better than Garoppolo and Debo Samuel and George Kittle did. So it's kind of interesting to see where maybe – Ayuk is able to kind of eat into the workload of Kittle and Debo. They both had really big target shares last year in uh, San Francisco. So if Ayuk's able to eat into that and really develops as a, a two or three option here to Lance, I think Ayuk would just the talent he has. He's very good at uh, the routes that he's able to take good hands as well. I honestly think he has a really good opportunity to elevate himself to the player that we honestly thought he would be the previous year. Yeah, yep. That's kind of a post-hype breakout there for Ayuk, but that's all our breakouts here on the 3 and Out podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed the a little 3 and Out extra from Mike and I here. Um, hopefully we can do more of these. So kind of if you're interested or you have any comments about some of the guys that we had, uh, please leave them in the towel section down below. We can mm-hmm. like if you uh, like this type of, type of content from us, we can kind of do more of that. That would be pretty fun. Um, and yeah, that's the end of this uh, episode of Three and Out Extra uh, from both Mike, uh, I'm Ben Pope, and we will uh, see you next time.